and that seems to have gone a really long way. Um, you know, we haven't done a whole lot. I mean, but just the fact that we've made ourselves available has really opened up relational doors. Um, even just something as simple as, you know, this older couple that we've started meeting with, you know, they don't have a car. And with all of this stuff, there's no public transportation right now. And uh, their five-gallon jugs of water were empty. And so I just took their five-gallon waters a jug and went to the store, filled them up, and brought them back. Well, that simple act of love, like, reflected so much. And the next time we saw each other, it was just unbelievable. Um, so for us, it's just been, you know, making ourselves available as we can. I love that you use the word available. I think I feel like um, another word that I use when I think about this is just moving towards somebody um, rather than waiting for them to come my way. Mm -hmm. um, you know, to varying degrees of success, I do this with my neighbors, but I think having a mind to move toward people and to just kind of take the note from Jesus with that, who moved towards us. He's the, he's the case in point. So I would agree availability, which he exhibited really well and the movement towards people. I think, I think one thing that, that so many people are seeing right now is that so many people are turning away, right? They're like, they're secluding themselves and I just think it speaks volumes when the church is doing the opposite. Um, you know, the reality is, like, if, if I get sick and die, hey, I know where I'm going and my life's going to be better than it is right now, so I really don't care. You know, I think the fact that people are seeing the church do something that nobody else is doing is, is really, really powerful, especially to those that we minister to that have a don't have a very positive outlook on the church to begin with um just showing them that it you know it can be something different that the church is willing to do what others aren't um, i think that's powerful yeah i think what has been good for us is um because the world has slowed down uh, our neighbors are always busy and gone and working and doing stuff and now that the world has slowed down, we actually see our neighbors more and can talk to our neighbors more. I think um, love has to be an action. It doesn't have to be something you give or it's just that you might have to listen to them through di different things or help them with each other. We had kind of a guy at four in the morning going around um, breaking into cars and we just got a neighborhood kind of watch group and kind of helped with each other those ways which started um, started people talking with each other and helping each other which was really cool I mean I got to know my neighbors more because we are stuck and I see the dads come you know, to play with their kids and you get to talk to them and find a little bit more. We have, <laughs> we have next door 
we have a shed that the neighbors have next door and underneath it decided foxes to live underneath. And so we've been talking about that and it gets a conversation started and, and a way to get to know your neighbors where otherwise we would wave and that's about it. So it's been good. Do you find yourself going to them or are they coming into like your front yard or you mainly like see them out and you and Mike head in their direction? Um, a lot of it is just um, us being outside and then we kind of go to the fence and say, you know, what's happening here or what? It started kind of with Easter. One of our neighbors across the street decided to play all the favorite Easter hymns sing. And so they put their stuff outside and everybody had to write what song they wanted to hear. Well, every neighbor sat in their yard with their um, lawn chairs and listened for an hour, which half of our neighbors do not go to church at all. So that was really cool. And then I, I felt the Lord was telling me um, to give each of the families a book, and it's called Why Pray. It was done by a missionary out of India, and it's just a devotional. It's a, a book, a, a devotional. I had enough to give every neighbor that, but I knew I wasn't sure if they would accept a book. So I knew each kid would accept a Easter basket with candy in it, so I put the book in the Easter basket with candy and gave each of the, each of the families that book. So it's, you know, you just have, have the Lord lead you and tell you what you need That's to good. do. That's cool. That's cool. How about you, Nick? You know, what do you think of, what do you think of this, you know, love your neighbor? What is love? Yeah. You? Well, you know, I, I, thought of the verse um, in Corinthians where, where Paul was talking about the uh, gifts of the spirit. Um, and then he talks about love and he says, though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, give my body to be burnt, but I don't have love. It profits nothing. Mm -hmm. And then like, there's been times where I've just done things like I've loved, but uh, it was more out of just like doing or obligation or, and there was no love or heart in what I was doing. But then I think about uh, in the, one of the letters of John, he says, uh, he says, if you see a brother or sister in need and you do nothing, how can the love of Christ be in you? Mm. For me, it's, it's like, oh, okay. Like it's, it's gotta be an outpour from the love of Christ. Cause I can't love in my own strength. Like I can only love out of God's love for me and for them. Yeah. Cause you know, I've tried to love in my own strength and it, it's just like dead works, you know, that where I gave someone a ride and it, you know, and it profited nothing for the kingdom um, because it wasn't done out of love. It was just like, Oh, I have to do this cause I'm a Christian. Mm. But you know, it's like when there is a need to be met, we meet it, but it's got to be out of, you know, the love of Christ and not Nick's own strength. Yeah. I often think Very of the, uh, the, the passage out of Second Corinthians 
um, second Corinthians five and Paul says it, and there's right before that, that, that section where he talks about if anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation and, and powerful section. But then in uh, just above, above that, it says for the love of Christ compels me or controls me. Um, an older translation says compels. And I love that, you know, just that word, it's the love of Christ. Like he obviously encountered Jesus in a powerful way. And it was that love of Christ that he experienced that compelled him, motivated, energized him to, to reach out to others, to love others. And that wasn't a lovey-dovey feeling thing. It wasn't like, all oh, like, hey, everybody is, you know, I'm just loving because, hey, this is a wonderful thing. No, it cost him, you know, a ton. Yeah. And he suffered a lot. But it was this love of Christ that was totally compelling him. Yeah. And I think that's a, what you, love always costs. Like, um, I heard from someone, they said, uh, you can, you can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. Say it one more time. I like that. You, you can, uh, you can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. Mm. And I'm, yeah. It's good. Probably. Yeah, I think about um, John three sixteen. you know, for God so loved the world. And we're like, hey, we love that verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever, you know, should believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And we're like, hey, he gave his only son. Oh, isn't that nice? You know, then, but you're like, wait a minute, that cost him his life. You know, yeah. and that's a very costly picture of love. You know, that's how much God, uh, God loves us. God loves the world is that he gave everything. He gave his only son. Um, and so like, I'm often reminded, like when the kids come knocking on my door, the neighborhood kids, you know, at a, a time when I just don't want them knocking on my door, it's like, I don't feel like loving them, but then I got to remember, <laughs> you know, yeah. me in this costly way. I'm like, oh, yes, this cost me. It doesn't cost me my life, but it costs me convenience and, in my own time and wanting just to sit in my in a chair and relax. It cost me energy and, and all of that uh, stuff, but that was minimal compared to the cost that it cost the Lord. Um, but love does, does cost. Mm-hmm. How do you, um, you know, I love being available. I love that, you know, we're called to move towards our neighbors, this whole incarnational picture where Jesus came and moved into our neighborhood. We're supposed to go and in, into other people's lives. It's this model of living. How do you, you know, it's meeting practical needs, but then also we know that ultimately what people need is the gospel in Jesus. They need to hear yeah. the gospel. Um, and I want to share this because I'm, I'm often been gripped by this pat by this uh, quote. If you know uh, Penn Gillette, he's an atheist. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of this quote, but um, he's he's got a show in Vegas, and he said this one time after somebody gave him a Bible. And uh, he's been very outspoken about his atheism. And he's had many people try to come up to him and, and share uh, Jesus with him. Uh, but uh, there's this one guy uh, actually connected with the radio station out in, in Vegas. Uh, gave him a Bible and was just so kind about it and so nice about it. And he, in responding to this time when he got a Bible from this guy, he said this. He goes, if you believe that there's a heaven and hell and believe people could be going to hell, and you think it's not worth telling them this, how much do you have to hate someone not to tell them? I mean, that's the line that always gets me. How much do you have to hate someone not to tell them? How much do you have to hate someone to believe that everlasting life is possible and not to tell them everlasting life is possible? If I believe that a truck was bearing down on you and you don't believe it, 
there's a certain point where I tackle you and this is the most important, this is more important than that. He cared enough to tell me about Jesus. Um, so how do you, and I love that, like, yeah, we can love people and, and be available, but there comes a time where we have to share the gospel. Um, yeah. How much do we have to hate someone to not share about the life that we have? Mm. I mean, that always grips my heart. What is, how do you hold that, not intention, but in balance? Because you want to love people, meet practical needs, but also we're there for a very specific reason, and that's to introduce them to Jesus. How, what does it look like for you to, to move from one, the practical needs, to those deeper spiritual needs? Yeah. Yeah, for me, I, th- I think it just looks like praying for people because I can't do the work of the Holy Spirit. Like, I mean, I, there was this guy, and, and he was charging his phone at uh, Pizza Ranch. Um, and he, you know, I, I could tell he was homeless. And God did not let me leave the grocery store. Like, I was going to just drive, and it was like, nope, you're not, Nick. And and I pull up to him and I give him some of the groceries I just bought. Uh, and it, it was just like a deep impression to talk to him about the Lord. And he said, oh, if I believed in anything, it would be Christianity. But I'm not a believer. And I asked him why. And he said, because like he's never encountered Jesus. Like he's never had a real experience. Um, and so it's like, you know, we all believe and we all have relationship with God. Like we've experienced him. Um, and this guy has never experienced Christ, but he wants to believe. And so it was just like, okay, well, let me pray that for you. Because like, I can't make you experience God. I can't. Mm-hmm. But the Holy Spirit can. Yeah. So I think it's like listening and praying and letting God do the work. because. I, I'm no one savior. I can't, I can't do it. Yeah. Nick, have you ever um, used as part of your explanation to somebody, the fact that I'm standing here talking to you about yeah. Jesus is God's appeal to you through me. Like that kind of idea. Well, have you ever? Well, and that, and that's what I told them. I said, you know, God didn't let me leave this parking lot. Like, I, I was just going to keep going. And it it was like, nope, you've you got to go talk to him. Yeah. So definitely. Um, but like, yeah, there's been times where people have come up to me before I was a, a Christian. And it was like what they were talking about was so foreign because I hadn't experienced it. Mm-hmm. And then when I experienced him, it was like, oh, my gosh, he's real. <laughs> Yeah. 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 So cool. I think it becomes easier to share the gospel as you're living your life as the gospel. Yeah. Right. Rather than, yep. you know, trying to go out and quote unquote evangelize. Not that there's not, not that there's anything wrong with that. Right. But I think it's easier to share the gospel when you're actually living out the gospel because it's like, in a sense that the person that you're now sharing with has no reason to reject you because you're actually living it out right in front of them. Um, And so last week um, 
we had somebody reach out to us that we've known here on the island for quite a while. And um, she kind of popped in and out of one of our house churches. We lived here before, never really made any sort of commitment. Um, but she reached out to us last week um, and she needed some food. Um, and uh, she says, Hey, I'm embarrassed to ask you this, but like, we don't have any breakfast for, for me or my kids. And so we went to the grocery store, bought them some groceries, brought it over to the house and just spent about a half hour just talking to them about why we even were able to do that. Um, you know, and we ended up talking, you know, she knew who we were and why we were there, but her boyfriend slash husband or whatever, you know, he's considered had, had never met us before. I um, mean, his brother was there. And so we just really expressed to them like the, like we're not able to do this because like we have all kinds of money to buy you guys five bags of groceries. <laughs> like the Lord allowed us, you know, to do this. You know, we're able to do this because it's, it's the, a blessing from the Lord. And through that conversation, we're actually starting a new gathering at their house tomorrow. Um, oh, that's awesome. And, and that's because like, what were they going to say? Like we're living out, we're living out what we're telling them about. Um, and so I think like, I think that's like, if we can learn that sharing the gospel isn't necessarily sharing the gospel story, right? Um, every time. And, and so when we live out the gospel, we have the opportunity to talk about the gospel and talk about Jesus and, and then take it one step farther and connect with them on a, on a relational aspect and actually start discipling them. And, you know, and so tomorrow when we go over there tomorrow, the first thing we're doing is going over the gospel, right? Yeah. And so I just think it's easier if, we, if we're living it out, sharing it becomes a million times easier. Yeah. Mm -hmm. How do you, how do you, this is for everybody, like, because I think this is a, a huge, you know, shift, you know, in mindset is like, instead of just, hey, I go on this mission thing, I do this mission thing, or... I do this activity where I'm loving somebody or I'm sharing the gospel, you know, in this thing, you know, this time, this person, how do you shift from just doing that occasionally to, I love what you said, you know, John is, is seeing the life, our whole lives as a mission, you know, and not just, Hey, I'm going on a mission trip, you know, and then when I come back, I'm going to live my life. Like what, what does it look like to transition from occasionally doing those things maybe to living your life as mission. I, I think, I think part of it is like we as leaders in the church have to be doing it first and then invite others with us. Right. Cause, cause they're not going to do it if they don't know it, because if they're just, you know, I've had, I've had this conversation so many times with Jennifer, especially when we lived here before, and it, it was, it was after, one of them was actually after Moran Park left when they left from their trip here. I said, honey, I said, I don't feel right about doing what we're doing. And she, she's like, what do you mean? I said, we're just doing what we expect every Christian to do. Like, like, I don't even feel like we're doing anything different than every Christian should be expected to do because we would train people of, hey, like now you have the tools to go and just live life. Like you don't have to be specific. Like if when God opens the door, you now have the tools to actually act upon it, right? And so I think part of it is we as 
leaders, as pastors, as missionaries, as lay leaders, as worship directors, right? Like, yes, we have like a job to do, right? But we, we can't allow that job to look any different than the rest of our life, mm. you know? Um, and we have to, we have to welcome others in that with us, those that we're walking with, because they're going to do what they see us doing. Right. And then the people that they disciple are going to see and do what they do. And so if I just live my life, right. uh, If I just like look at myself and don't even look at anybody else, say, okay, John, this is, this is just the life you live. Now, include others in that it, it kind of like spreads so it's like for me it's been like getting off of this like work mentality like i don't work at being a christian like i just am right like like being married like i don't come home and sit down and like study how to be a good husband like i don't sit down and say oh wait babe sorry i've got to, i've got to spend three hours tonight and five zoom calls to talk to other husbands to figure out how to do this. I just do it and learn through the process. And I think that's something we have to do is just like, we need to do it and we're going to screw up and be okay with that. Like be okay with messing up. Like it's okay to completely blow it and then learn through that process, but invite others with you. Let them see you blow it. Right. Like, because like us as missionaries, like people have for some reason, like this romantic idea of what a missionary's life looks like. And I'll tell you, it's nothing like that. Like whatever romantic idea anybody has about the life of a missionary is probably the totally opposite. Right. So just invite people in. Yeah, I love that. It. It's not like something you go do. It's something, someone you are, you're like, no, I'm, I'm living this. And I think it starts with, you know, how we see ourselves you know, as a follower of Jesus, but Daniel, you've done a lot on this over the last year or so and talking to a lot of people is like seeing us, seeing ourselves differently uh, in the places that we occupy. Mm-hmm. Why don't you mm-hmm. talk about that a little bit? Yeah, it's, it's pretty simple. Like John 20, Jesus says, as the father has sent me, so I'm sending you, which again, just kind of comes back to Jesus being our case in point. Like he left where he was to come toward us And he said, like, direct quote, I am sending you. So we're sent people. And then we love that the Great Commission, you know, it's, it's something that we know. Um, I, I was earlier today looking into the Great Commission a little bit more because I don't know if you guys have heard this teaching on the Great Commission, but that whole idea of, uh, so go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. The go, I've heard this teaching that kind of suggests that the Greek words there actually mean more like, as you go, make disciples. And I think that that preaches way better because it's sort of like, it's like in the stuff that I do, I'm aware of God. And that's in scripture, but that's not what that scripture means. The Great Commission is total command. It's like, no, go out of your way to make disciples. Like actually inconvenience yourself Um, and so I think Jesus doesn't let us off the hook, you know, in that, I think that the call is high for us to, in our neighborhoods and in the places that we're, that we're walking to just be sensitive to the Lord. And then when he does call us to, to actually like go out of our way, Linda, your example earlier was perfect about that. Just about 
like reaching out intentionally and spending time to, to press into your neighbors. Um, so I, I just think, you know, us continuing to encourage the people around us to see ourselves as sent people is huge. Uh, and I think each one of us is living this out right now. Pretty, pretty, it's pretty cool that there's kind of a unity in this meeting, just knowing each one of you that there is this understanding. So I think it's probably important for us just to pay attention to the conversations that we have with other people and make sure that we're encouraging others to do the same, you know, that we're reminding people just like you're a human being, you know, and you have a breath and that's part of who you are as a Christian, you also have a call and that's a call to go. And so for sure, as you go make disciples, but also go like move towards your neighbors. Um, Yeah. Super important. I would agree with you, Daniel. That's something that, you know, we've been saying for a couple of years. It's like, if we just live our lives intentionally every day for Jesus, you know, we won't have to work at it, right? We have to work at that intentionality. But if we can do that every day, you know, intention is the key. I agree. Totally. You know, uh, I think about, you said, um, how we see ourselves and, and something that I have struggled with and I do struggle with is uh, like perfectionism in my faith walk. And it gets so much about me like, Oh, I have to pray. I have to, I have to read the word. Um, uh, I messed up. I sinned. Uh, uh, Lord, forgive me. Uh, you know, and I get so caught up in me that I miss out on so many opportunities outward. Yeah. That's why, John, when you were saying, um, like, the, the gospel presentation, when backed by a life that is the gospel lived, like, that's the most effective witness. To me, it breaks my heart that that's, like, that's even a, a possibility these days. Because that's the whole right. point. Like, right. the whole point that Jesus came for was to create a people who lived this, and the witness was then, like, strong. Yes. that's that's exactly what jennifer and i have had conversations about we're like i kind of feel guilty for like this needing to be my profession like this doesn't make any sense because i'm not doing anything special like i'm not doing anything like normal like if i do my job right i'm gonna work myself out of a job Mm -hmm. right because there's no reason i should be supported to do what i'm doing if Christians were actually doing what they're supposed to be doing. <laughs> like, <laughs> like this, like, like I have people supporting me, like, okay, but do you realize you're supporting me to do exactly what you've been called to do? Like, if you were actually doing it, you wouldn't need to do this. And I wouldn't need to do this. Like it blows my mind. It's such an interesting point. And you know, uh, it makes me think about uh, this one book that I read art of neighboring by um, uh, yeah. Jay Patrick. And uh, he lives out in Colorado. And, and one time he had a pastor came to uh, the mayor and, and was like, hey, what do you want as churches to be doing? Um, what can we do to benefit the city? And the mayor, uh, I think it was at Denver or, or one of the suburbs, um, said, little birthday party here. Um, he said, actually, if you just teach your, um, teach your people in your church to be good neighbors, um, that would be huge, you know, for them to actually love their neighbors, for actually wow. them to care for their neighbors, 
you know, that's what we want, uh, want you to do. And so, um, Jay Pathak walked away from that meeting. He's like, so you want us to teach them to actually live out what Jesus told them to do? Like, wow. You know, and so for me, like one of the big things that has changed for me has been seeing myself as, as a sent person, exactly what Daniel was talking about. Um, but also the fact that I'm sent to my neighborhood and this is the place where the Lord has me. And so often, one second. <laughs> I guess we're part of a birthday party right now. Not even do a we, birthday right now. Do we get cake and ice cream too? Yeah, totally. I, I want cake and ice cream. Um, but forgot exactly where I was at. But like, yeah, seeing myself sent to this neighborhood and to to live um, my life here on display. And so, like, for often, I so often I think like I got to go do something extra, you know, especially as a pastor. Right. I got to have this event or that event, and I'm like. No, I'm, I'm called to live, you know, here in this little town and build relationships with my neighbors. And uh, you know what? God has placed me in this spot, in this house for that exact reason. Yeah. And it's a, it can be as, as simple as that. And so really, um, I used one of Jay Pathak's uh, tools and uh, really have been focusing on how well do I know my neighbor? Because you can do something loving, you can, you know, do something nice, but like, am I really getting to know my neighbor um do i know anything significant about them and one tool that i've used and i, I think big life has uh, used this a little bit as well but it's this tool um show you guys so if you uh think of this as a map of your house um of your neighborhood with your house in the middle right here. Um, I've just been using this and, and thinking about how well do I know my actual neighbors, the people who are right around me, not like down the street, you know, um, you know, a long ways, but the people right uh, around me. And I start off by asking myself, um, how well could I you know, fill out this map in, in three different ways? First of all, do I, the people around me, do I know their names? Um, do I know their kids' names? Do I know their dog's name? Um, you know, do I know something just about them? And then secondly, I ask, you know, do I know anything about them? You know, where they work, what are their hobbies? Um, you know, what are some things that they, they are up to uh, in, in their life? Um, and then the third thing I ask is like, do I know anything of significance about them? And by that, I mean their passions, their dreams, um, maybe their struggles, maybe their disappointments in life, their failures in life. Do I know some of that deeper stuff? Where are they at in a relationship with the Lord? Um, and that all comes from, from listening and, and interacting with them. But I've used this and I found this tool to be, you know, really helpful is just focusing in on, yeah, I'm called to this neighborhood, but now let's hone in really onto the people around me and uh, it causes me to be really intentional. So when I go across the street to my neighbor, Heather, and um, she's putting in a hot tub right now, but um, you know, it's like, I know her kids and her kids' names and, and, you know, some things about her, the fact that her husband, you know, died years ago. And uh, every time she sees an eagle, she thinks she sees him, um, you know, and so there's some spiritual longing there and it um, has become a tool so I can get to know her, 
um, and her kids, but also it's a tool like having in my office pray on a regular basis for her. And then when I'm going over there, it's like, I can remember conversations. Hey, you know, tell me a little bit more about um, what happened with, you know, your husband in that time. And how have you found healing out of that, um, that time of deep pain? And, you know, it has shaped my conversations with her. And I'm curious, like, as you guys look at your neighborhoods, um, do you see your neighborhood that way? Like specifically, like, wow, this is where I'm called first and foremost. And I'm curious, like, how intentional have you been with getting to know your neighbors? And could you, like the people around you, could you identify their names, their kids' names and, and things of significance about them? Yeah. Be enough to know our neighbors because we hear the kids' names being shouted all day long. Yeah. <laughs> we hear Oliver on one side, who is the character that always gets out of the fence and runs away. Other side is Oliver the dog. <laughs> so we're constantly hearing Oliver. <laughs> <laughs> and just and just them um the family on one side has um they had uh, she had a previous child beforehand, so that one's a little bit older in middle school. Um and then they had us a, a son, another son, and then and they had twin daughters born, which they weren't expecting twins. So they have little kids. And so it's always, we're always talking to them about the little kids because we don't have children here. So it's always fascinating to, and I think sometimes you just have to share your life because they can't say, well, I, I don't agree with you, you know, about God. It's just sharing what you know God has done for you because they can't say, oh, that's not true. That didn't happen to you. Right. But you have to know them first. And, you know, I intentionally kind of do it with the neighbors, but I also do it with people I've worked with and known. Right now, I can, I can um, email them or FaceTime them or call them. Um, so I have a list going of about 20 people that I contact every week to find out how they're doing and just, wow. you know, and now they're starting to realize, oh, Linda, could you pray? Because I say, well, do you need anything? <laughs> Prayers, you know, and then they're like, oh, could you pray for, and could you call so-and-so because she really needs prayer? So it's kind of like you just start with your relationship with them. Yes. Like you, we've been kind of talking, you know, you got to always, you, I don't think you can be part of their life if you're not, if you're not um, knowing them and having a relationship with them. And some people are persons of peace that will be receptive and other ones, you're just, you know, God's got a plan and it might not be right away. And you just wait. Mm -hmm. and, so, and I like, Mike always asks people at work. Um, so, you know, kind of after he knows them a while, you know, uh, so what is your spiritual background? You know, what do you think spiritually? Mm -hmm. Just to get them to, it's his barometer to kind of say, okay, where are they at? You know, if they mm -hmm. say, I'm a Catholic or I'm, 
I'm an atheist or whatever. You know, you kind of know where they're at then. Mm -hmm. Great question. I have failed miserably. <laughs> I think in my own neighborhood. Um, help and like receiving help from other people and sharing what you're struggling with is so good because I think something that I've learned is that love is so mutual. Like you have to receive love in order to love. Um, it's not just giving love. Um, and I think it changes the relationship totally to be able to be vulnerable and have people relate to you. Um, you're not sharing your own life with them. There's very little to be able to relate on. Um, and I think I've struggled with that in my own neighborhood, like my direct next door neighbors on this side, most of them speak Spanish. And so I've been really, really hesitant to reach out. And some of them do speak English and I know some of their names and their kids' names and whatever, but, um, it's just made me feel a little bit more intimidated. And I've just been learning recently, like this past weekend, I just said like, Hey, whose birthday are you celebrating? And I came back from a bike ride after I asked that question and they had like packed up a piece of cake for me and given it to me. And it was just like literally just one question that I asked them. And I'm so scared to even ask one question. People are just so hungry for connection. Um, and so I think I've just been realizing like it doesn't take a lot. It's just those simple touch points and people want to connect and they want to give. And so that wasn't even me giving to them. It was like, me asking a question and then wanting to give me a gift in response. So, um, yeah, I need to do a better job of just taking the opportunity when I see my neighbors out there to leave my house and go talk to them. Um, and if they don't respond or they don't reciprocate, it's like, that's okay. Um, but they know that at least I care. And if there was something, you'd be like, oh, I know this person's name and I can ask her for something rather than just seeing a face and not being able to connect it to a name. But I need to grow in that for sure, especially given just like the nature of my neighborhood and everybody being really different than I am. So. I'm curious, like, let's get practical and just talk about what are, what are some practical ways that um, we can get to know our neighbors and build those relationships and, you know, get involved in their lives. You know, I love Linda, like you're saying, like they just know um, that you'll pray for them you know, and to look at their things. And, but, you know, that starts somewhere. It doesn't happen just right away. You know, there has to be some practical steps. And, you know, one of the things that I've done with my kids, you know, is just walk around the neighborhood and we knock on doors and even have even done it in the midst of COVID and stayed six feet away from people and knocked on their doors and just said, Hey, can I pray for you? Like, is there anything in your life that they need prayer for? And especially in this time, um, people are like, yeah, I got this, this, and this going on. Mm -hmm. And um, if I don't know them, I get their names. And and, uh, and for the most part, I think I've only had a person or two say, no, um, I don't want you praying for us. Especially if you bring kids, you know, they're not going to say no to little kids, you know, to make them cry. Um, so that's just one thing that I have found uh, really, it really works, you know, and just asking that question um, and people respond well. But what are some other ways that you guys have found helps in building the relationships with your neighbors. We brought uh, pizza over to our neighbors a couple weeks ago, probably like three weeks ago now. We ordered some pizza and we're like, oh, let's just buy some pizza for the neighbors too. Uh, so we bought some pizza for them, went over there. Um, they weren't sure what to expect at first. <laughs> I'm not sure they ever had anybody do that. Um, and uh, 
So now, so since that week, we've been exchanging things at least once a week. Um, and so like the next week they came over and they handed us over the, this giant bunch of bananas over the fence. Um, and then this past week we brought some plantains. So like now there's like this weekly exchange of something taking place every week. That's so good. So. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> I was I think thinking. You said, John, about um, it not being like nobody's ever done that for them before. Like it's just really simple. Yeah. And that's what like we are sent people, but it's just like having a conversation, and that is going to stand out, and that's going to live out the gospel, like we were talking yeah. about earlier. Uh-huh. People aren't receiving pizza from their neighbors, you know. That opened up a conversation. I think like two weeks later, you know. Um, we just, I just walked over to the fence and they were outside. I said, Hey, I said, you know, I don't know where you guys know, sit, you know, spiritually, but so we just do house church. We just have church in our house, you know, every week. I said, right now we're just kind of doing it via zoom, but if you guys want to come over, you know, you're more than happy to come over and know through that conversation found out that they grew up Catholic. Don't really, they're not really practicing Catholics. They didn't come over. Um, but that kind of opened up an opportunity for, for us to share in a little bit more detail of what exactly we do. That's so cool. I think food is, was the first thing that came to my mind too. Yeah. Um, so like in addition to what you're talking about, I also like occasionally having people in our home and um, the, it, it's a little easier for me being married to like and because I have a home to like bring people into before I was married I lived with a bunch of other guys and depending on the day our house was you know someplace I would want to invite people into and um but even just like having people at our table with us I've found has been terrific we had a we had a neighbor a couple neighbors at our old place um we had them over for dinner. They were totally the oddballs on the block. We, they were so fun to talk to. Um, like, let me give you an idea here. They had like a ceramic elephant collection and he had a wind chime collection on their front porch. And, um, and they, when we moved in, they told us we have a lot of family and you're going to see a lot of them coming and going. We promise we are not dealing drugs. So <laughs> they're, they're in their 80s. They're so phenomenal. We had them over for dinner because that's what we do. We love doing that. They've lived on the street for about 20 years. And when the, in the middle of the meal, they said to us, we've never once had anybody on the street have us over to their house for dinner. Wow. And just that in and of itself for us was like, oh my gosh, this was so easy. You know, like we, we literally just had a meal with you and the, the, the kind of love that they felt from that and the relationship that it built was something that became even more sweet over time. Yeah. I think, you know, yeah, I, I think at the beginning, Go ahead. I just think, just a short thing, I think food kind of just gets people to relax and, you know, it just is a relaxing thing. So, yeah, I totally agree. Food is a good thing. Yeah. 
It's probably why Jesus did the Last Supper, right? Like, it's not nearly as spiritual as we all think it was, right? He was just like, y'all aren't going to listen to me unless we're eating. So we're just going to eat, and then we're going to just eat all the time. And Matthew, like the, the call of Matthew, you know, sitting at the table at Matthew's house and like eating with sinners and tax collectors. Like right. It's totally it. Jesus had a reputation. He was known as a, a glutton and a friend of sinners. Yeah. He had reputation as a glutton. He was, uh, he was having meals with people all the time. And I think there's something simple about sitting down with a me- you know, over a meal with somebody and it breaks down barriers and walls. Yeah. And like, hey, let's talk about life. You know, so I, I don't think it's super profound like these things. It's like, it's just the simple things in life can go a long way in reaching out to people. Nick, what were you going to say? You're muted. Nope, not muted. Don't hear you. No, <laughs> oh, no audio. Really? You can't? You, you can't, can't hear me. Okay. Now I can't hear you. No. Oh, wow. My hand was over the mic, I think. <laughs> no, uh, but the question was like, how do we practical ways to build relationship with our neighbors? Right? That was the question? Yeah, yeah. Um, and earlier, I think Linda said, uh, like being led by the spirit, uh, like that she felt like God impressed on her to do it. And, um, you know, I think a lot of times I've, uh, I've blocked relationship with people by not being led by the spirit and bringing up God in my relationship with him way too early, um, in the relationship. Uh, there was this time a neighbor was walking and I gave him a ride and God's like, like, Nope, just give him the ride. That's it. Like, don't, you don't have to evangelize. You don't have to do anything. Just give him the ride. And so it started off that way. And I would just give him rides occasionally. And I mean, like he would go to the store and pick up liquor. Like I would give him rides to pick up liquor. He's going to get it either way, whether I give him a ride or not. Um, but then it came to the point he came over to my house one time and, and we got to talk about his spiritual background and, uh, and he received Christ in my living room. But yeah. the first interaction I had with him, God told me, don't do not bring up me. Like, don't bring up the gospel. Like yeah. just be his friend. And it's like, there's been times where you bring up uh, your relationship with Christ and and they just boom, hard heart toward you. Yeah, you know. No, I would I would agree with that, Nicholas. I had a I had a several years back. I had an experience very similar to that. My son and I were at a skillet concert, and um, there were these two girls, a couple rows in front of us, and you could just tell that they were going through some really hard stuff. And we ended up talking to them after the concert. Got kicked out of the con of the stadium because they the janitors had to clean. The janitors came up and like, you guys need to leave. Like we need to clean. So we left, went out to the hall and I was like stoked, right? I'm like, I'm going to share the gospel with these girls. They're going to come to Jesus. And I was like so excited. And, and I was about ready to talk about Jesus. And God said, don't you dare share the gospel with this girl. <laughs> and I was like, so confused. I was like, that completely contrary to everything. And I was like, do not share the gospel. And so I actually told this girl that I, I said, you know what? I'm like, I actually can't tell you about Jesus. And she looked at me like, 
the, the confusion on her face was just like, what do you mean you can't tell me about Jesus? I said, I just can't talk to you about Jesus. I said, it's just the Lord's telling me I can't talk to you about Jesus. And we left, and a few days later, I gave him my card. A few days later, I get a phone call from the girl that was with her. She said, you have no idea what you did. I'm like, what? She said, this girl has had Jesus shoved down her throat her entire life. She was expected for you to share the gospel with her, and she already had a defense. She had no idea what to do with you because she was expecting you to share Jesus. And you did it, and it rocked her world. <laughs> now she has no idea what to think because you did not do what she expected. She says, thank you so much for not sharing Jesus because this girl was a follower of Jesus. She's like, thank you so much for not sharing Jesus. Now I have an opportunity to talk to her about my relationship with Jesus. Mm. And I was like, That's that cool. goes completely contrary to everything like we hear, right? Well, it's yeah. like you have to be obedient. So like, Nick, thank you for sharing that because I think – that can be something that goes so against everything that we think we're supposed to do, where we can push, right? Where we can disobey the Lord because we think he's telling us something that's counter to like, but thank you for that. Cause that's just really encouraging. Cause like, honestly, like, even though I saw that, like, that's been like a straight struggle with me, like my whole life, like since it happened, like that makes no sense. Like why, you know, but Sometimes God, God knows what people need, and she did not need to hear Jesus. She already heard him a hundred times. She needed to not hear Jesus. She just needed to see a Christian love her, and, yeah. and that's important. So thank you. Yeah, that, that's that. Ultimately, at the end of the day, is the is the secret. You know, and it's not even the secret. You know, it's like we'd have to follow and trust the Holy Spirit and what He's doing. Yeah. You know, yeah. and Jesus did say the Holy Spirit will lead and guide you. You know, and it's like we gotta we gotta trust that. You know, I've heard so many stories of of um people doing things that didn't make sense in the moment and then all of a sudden it's like oh that's why you know i did this like one woman told me she was invited to a dinner party and she really and she really hears from the lord and the lord told her to wear a bright red dress and she's like uh this is not a bright red dress affair like this is not what i should be wearing <laughs> and uh and she did and actually, um, I think uh, the Lord told her red dress with a purple coat over top of it. And she's like, this clashes, this doesn't work. And, but she was obedient and she went um, to this party and uh, a person came up to her and goes, why are you wearing that dress? Why are you wearing that color? And she goes, the Lord told me, um, I know it sounds weird. And this guy, this person said, I had a dream and in a dream says, look for the woman uh, with a red dress and she was for you. And uh, this person (laughs) some things and and it was absolutely amazing. It's like, you know, you have to trust the Lord. Right. Where I look back on my life where the Lord told me to do something and I didn't do it and something happened. I'm like, ah, you know, I kicked myself and it's not like, Hey, hurry up and go do more stuff. It's just like, Oh, what a beautiful reminder that we have to just be obedient. Um, that he will lead us in our neighborhoods you know, and especially at this time, you know, in a time where everything's shutting down and people don't have that connection, you know, as much, the Lord is still leading us to be in relationships with the, those who are right around us mm-hmm. and he will, he will lead and guide. Well, thanks guys for, for hopping on this. This has been, this has been really good.